The new inflation numbers are out and it's not looking good. A very ugly story that shows the disintegration of our society. And Katenji Jackson Brown is a Supreme Court justice, but the Washington Post is all butthurt about her treatment by Republicans during the hearings. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. All right, lots to get to today. I'm probably going to run a little long, but I figured let's, let's get to it. First off, uh, we're still, there is a disaster happening in New York. Uh, we don't know much about it. Apparently, it was a mass shooting in New York in the subway system in Brooklyn. Uh, we know nothing about it. We don't know how many died. We don't know how many people were involved. So far, it looks like it was one. The only thing we do know is that uh, some guy went on the train, threw a smoke grenade, and started shooting. So we really don't know what's going on. Uh, they're still hunting for him. There's going to be a there's going to be a discussion, uh, another update, but I'm not going to touch this. The they're not ruling out terrorism, but let's not talk about terrorism, or whatever, until they actually catch the guy. So we have no idea what's happening there. All right, so um, the CPI came out today, which is the inflation index, and uh, Jen Psaki was kind of preparing us for this. Listen to what she had to say yesterday. So because of the actions we've taken to address uh, Putin, the Putin price hike, we are in a better place than we were last month. Um, but we expect March CPA, CPI headline inflation to be extraordinarily elevated due to Putin's price hike. And we expect a large difference between core and headline inflation reflecting the global disruptions in energy and food markets. So core infl inflation doesn't include energy and food prices. Uh, headline inflation does. And of course, we know that core inflation, you know, energy, the impact of energy, of course, on oil prices, gas prices, we expect that to uh, continue to reflect what we've seen uh, the increases be over the course of this invasion. And just as an example, since President Putin's military buildup accelerated in January, average gas prices are up more than 80 cents. Most of the increase in, uh, occurred in the month of March, and at times gas prices were more than a dollar above pre-invasion level. So that roughly 25% increase in gas prices will drive tomorrow's inflation reading. And certainly it's not a surprise to us, but we certainly think it will be reflected. She is such a liar. I know she's supposed to be standing up for the president and everything, but my God, we've got the numbers. I'm going to give them to you. We've got the numbers, not just for the CPI this week, but we've got the, the consumer price index is what that is. That's what measures inflation. But I've also got the CPI for the last year when Biden took office. And five times she mentioned Putin and the evasion. She she said it was the Putin price hike twice. Well, okay, Putin invaded in February. We were at 5.4, inflation well before Putin invaded. So I don't know what she's talking about. But anyway, this is a disaster. It's looking like we're, we're heading to a recession. They say there's a 50-50 chance we're going to have a recession within the next couple of years. Uh, you know, I, I will say this about, I read Thomas Sowell's book about, about economics. It's 
beginner's guide to economics or something like that. I'll, I'll rec. I'll put it on my web website as a recommendation. It's very good. But he said we go through this every ten to fifteen years. We go through a recession. Our last recession was in two thousand eight. wasn't a heavy recession, but it was definitely a downturn. Yeah, we're just heading. Maybe it's just about time. Of course, this bozo's uh, policies aren't helping. Right now, he is, as I'm speaking, he is making a speech in Iowa. And he's basically whistling past the graveyard. We're doing great things. People are getting hired. We got to reduce our reliance on oil and crap like that. That guy's an idiot. Anyway, let's get to the inflation numbers. I need to stop pontificating or I'll never get through these stories. So here it is. The consumer price index leapt 8 to 8.5% from a year ago, according to Labor Department data. Uh, now, this taking out food and energy, which what I just what I just said was basically the headline inflation. The standard measure of inflation takes out food and energy, and that increased 6.5%. That's still quite high. This inflation is the highest since Carter was president and Ronald Reagan took over. So this is the highest inflation we've had in over 40 years. CNBC reported price increases came from many of the usual culprits. Okay, food rose 1% for the month and 8.8% over the year. Now, mind you, not the last two months, which is what Jen Psaki was saying. It rose 8.8% since Biden took office. Energy prices are up. Uh, between 11 and 32 percent, depending on the energy. So that would be electricity. That's not gas. That would be electricity. That would be, uh, well, gas, uh, natural gas, whatever you happen to be running in your home. Water, I think they would consider that energy. Uh, the, um, where am I here? Oh, here we go. Uh, shelter has gone up 0.5 percent on the month, making it raising shelter prices by 5%, that's huge. That means your rent's going up. More housing is going up 5%. That's a 5% is a lot. You pay $1000 for uh you pay $1000 for an apartment a month. No one in California pays $1000 by the way in California for a month. You're talking that's another what is that? 510. That's about 50 bu- it's about 50 bucks or 100 bucks absolutely insane. Now, I know Biden likes to say this is the Putin price hike, but I I had to look this up because I was really curious about it. Um, Here's how inflation worked. Inflation went up 1.4% in January 2021. Now, why do I point out January 2021? Who was president? February went up 1.7%. March went went up 2.6%. April, it went up 4.2%. May, it went up uh, 5.5%. Now, this is where things start getting ugly. June went up 5.4%. July, 5.4%. August, 5.3%. September, 5.4%. October, 6.2%. November, 6.8%. December, 7%. January, 7.5%. And then it went up to 7.9%, and that was the month that Putin attacked Ukraine. So I don't want to hear, and of course March is 8.5%, I don't want to hear about Putin price hike. It's been going up for a year. 
So this is it's in, insane. Gas prices have gone up from 233 to 4.10 a gallon. That's up 43% from last year. Now, it did go up when Putin attacked, but the reality is gas was already going up too. Other costs, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs are 13% higher since last year. Fresh fruit has gone up 10.6%. Vegetables remain pretty stable, but they've gone up 4.3%. And prepackaged cereals and baked goods, they've gone up 7.7%. So there you have it. Things are not looking good. Um, they're not going down. Nothing's going down. The president today or yesterday has decided he's going to release fuel to bring down fuel prices. Ethanol-based fuel. Ethanol-based fuel was banned. And now he's bringing it back so he can get gas down. Here's something wild and crazy. Drill for oil. We have enough oil to be independent. This next story I don't have a lot to say about because I've said it already. It's a disgusting story. Uh, these people are evil. And I, I, I don't really have anything to say. So according to the Washington Post, after several unsuccessful attempts to conceive a baby through in vitro fertilization, a Massachusetts couple learned last year that they were expecting a baby girl, court records state. Months into the pregnancy, their obstetrician recommended the mother undergo genetic testing to rule out abnormalities. The baby was okay, court records state, but the test results revealed something the couple never saw coming. There was a 0% probability the couple, identified only as Jane and John Doe, were the biological parents. Specialists at the New York Fertility Institute, which they had paid for the IVF pr procedure, repeatedly assured the couple that the test was not a problem and that they were, in fact, the biological parents. The doctors first allegedly claimed the test was inaccurate before diagnosing the mother with a rare condition, saying the bo her body contained two sets of DNA. But the parents worried the test was accurate, and they weren't the parents, and the clinic had transferred a stranger's embryo into the woman's uterus. Fearing the emotional toll of the potential custody battle, once the baby was born, the couple chose to terminate the six-month pregnancy days before it would have been illegal to do so, according to court records. Notice that they didn't want to be inconvenienced. And so they just said, screw it, and killed the baby. I, and it wasn't even a thought. The baby wasn't even a thought in this whole thing. And this kid was six months old. Kid could have, with his med medical assistance, could have survived outside the womb at six months old. Continuing with the story, now the couple is suing the New York Fertility Institute, embryologist Michael Feme Obasu, Obasuju, I don't know if that's, and fertility specialist Khalid Sultan and Mahid Fatah for allegedly impregnating the mother-to-be with a stranger's embryo. They also accused the clinic of losing Jane Doe's embryos and failing to disclose whether those implanted into a, where those were implanted into a stranger, potentially giving away their biological child, according to the lawsuit filed last month at the Southern District, uh, Southern District Court of New York. In the lawsuit, the couple also alleges the clinic and all three doctors purposely covered up what Obasaju 
quote, has a natural history of mistaking implanting a stranger's embryo to the patient. Each of these errors have caused Mr. and Ms. Doe incomprehensible physical and emotional pain and suffering. You've got to be effing kidding me. What about the baby? Pretty sure, well, the kid's dead now, but pretty sure that kid suffered physical and emotional pain. Kid was six months old. They could feel at that point. I just, it, I mean, I, I, now, essentially what happened was maybe the clinic made a mistake, but apparently there's a po- probability they didn't make a mistake. And so they kill the baby and now they want to prof- uh, profit off the baby, off the dead baby. These, pe- these two don't deserve to be parents. And by the way, you hear stories like this all the time. This is one of the reasons why we can't get along. I can't get along with people like that. They are so cold. They are so calcul. They are so cold. They don't care. And they just threw the baby out like trash. That's all I have to say about that. You already know. You already know what I think. We've we talked about this a lot last week. Okay, now this is actually a pretty awesome story. According to the well, it's pretty awesome. Unfortunately, leftists have a tendency to f everything up and make. What sounds like a pretty good story into some crap, and that's what this story comes down to. So according to The Guardian, by 11 a.m. on opening day at Portland's The Sports Bra, billed as the world's first sports bar showing only women's sports, a bustling queue had already filled the sidewalk, while members of the Pride Cheerleading Association shook pom-poms in the parking lot. Dozens of women, fans and athletes alike, waited to grab a seat to reach the milestone together. Okay, so it's a clever name. Instead of sports bra bar, the sports bar, they reversed the RNA in bar and made it sports bra. Okay, kind of a weird name. I, I I'm not a big fan of the name. I'm sure you could have come up with something a little better. Sports bra sounds like it's a athletic store. Um, and by the way, just an FYI, the Pride Cheerleading Association. This is a tragedy for the bar. And this makes me wonder if that bar is even going to make it. This group is a pro-BLM, pro-LGBTQWXYZ, pound, semicolon, ampersand, percent sign, carrot, tilde. This is tragic. And I'll tell you why this is a tragic thing for this bar. Because when I first heard this story, I thought, hey, you know what? This sounds like it's going to be a good, this is a good idea. All right. So continuing, quote, I actually got emotional and I cried when I walked in, said Leslie Malin, who sat at the bar with a with a signature cocktail. I'm so proud to be here. Now, I had to look up this Leslie Malin. All I know is she works at Pacific University as an associate principal. Her expertise is in planning and design architecture. So, okay, that seems pretty... But here's a little hint. She puts her pronouns in her bio. So I'm losing it with the bar because I see where this bar is going. Continuing. The sports bra, which opened its doors on uh, in Oregon on the 1st of April, seeks to address glaring gender imbalance in sports coverage. Although 40% of professional athletes are female, that seems kind of high to me, 
Women's sports make up only 4% of all the media coverage, according to UNESCO, uh, to a UNESCO study on gender equality. <sighs> By the way, UNESCO is the United Station Laboratory of Ideas. That's what UNESCO is. What's that? I have no idea. All I know is anything that the United Nations puts out basically makes the United States bad because the United Nations hates the United States. By the way, did you know that the United States had to pay $11 billion to the United Nations to get it off the ground? Nobody else did that. Why is that stupid organization even here? Anyway, continuing... Uh, quote, continuing the article, quote, our approach is to take 4% that is showing and put it on blast, said Jenny Wynn, the bar's founder and owner. Okay, more from this article. A couple of things more. 100000 was don was raised for the marketing to get the bar going. A gal named Lee Hinkle, owner of or the Oregon Ravens, which is an all- all-female professional football team. She said, hardly anyone knows the history of women's football, but equity isn't about divvying up screen time. Equity is about having what you need to succeed. Women's sports need a movement, and the sports bra is making a statement. You know, I, 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 I hate to say this, but um, there's a reason why no one is watching women's football or even knows it exists because no one wants to see 120 130 pound women try and tackle each other and go you know go skipping around a football field it's crap no one likes to watch the WNBA either have you ever been to a WNBA game go take a look at it there's nobody there the article continues yet for years a sports bra would remain a running joke among Wynn and her friends. Whenever they found themselves frustrated by the lack of representation of women's sports, they'd return to a safe space in their imagination and curate a playlist of games and even menu ideas. Eventually, Wynn faced a period of personal frustration marked by the COVID-19 pandemic and the George Floyd murder. Her girlfriend suggested uh, she turn her dream into of the sports bra into a reality. Okay, so right off the bat, you can already see, you can already see this is just nothing but woke. George Floyd's murder. She's a lesbian. Um, so that's a tragedy that you can't just open a business. So here's the thing. There are positives and negatives about this story. So let's do the positives first. Okay, it's a great idea. It's filling a niche. It is. It, maybe there are women out there that want to see uh, want to see women's sports. I doubt it, because women's no one goes to the women's sports in the first place. Again, WNBA. I'm trying to be positive here. Their ideas are honorable, and they're addressing something they feel strongly about. Good for them. I have no problem with that. I think it's great. There will women. There there will be women that go to the bar. If there are women that go to the bar, here's another story. To make the bar successful, men have to go too. The good news is men are dogs. So the men will go to the bar to be with the women. And that could make up money. And it also shows capitalism. Capitalism rocks. That these guys had a dream and they put their dream into reality. 
It also shows that these women had innovation and they acted on their innovation. And I, I don't think you can put that away. So I think all of this, I and I really do hope the bar works out. I don't think it will, but I hope the bar works out. Now, here's the reasons why it quite possibly won't work. Nobody likes women's sports. They're boring. They're terrible. Go to a WNBA game. They're like 500 people in the seats and half of them are family. I've been to five WNBA games. And the reason I went is we got the tickets for free because my daughters played basketball. And I was the coach. So no one watches this stuff. Did you even know there was a professional women's football league? I had no freaking idea. And by the way, before we sit back and we we dick women's sports, you know what I'm also probably not going to watch a lot of? The USFL, because it's crap football. I didn't watch the... I haven't watched any football leagues besides the NFL, because it's all crap. Do you know what... And they're all men. I also don't watch minor league baseball games. Why? There's a reason minor league baseball games aren't on television. Because it's crap play. These are guys that could be good one day, but they're not good now. So why waste your time watching this stuff? And right now, the WNBA and a lot of women's sports, including women's volleyball and a couple of other sports, they're on television already and no one's watching them. ESPN committed to sitting back and and playing WNBA games. And no one's watching it. Now, I do watch women's soccer, especially when it's during the... Well, I mean, the women's soccer team went woke, so I I didn't see them in the last World Cup. But I used... Or the Olympics. But I used to watch women's soccer. I liked it. It was okay. But you know what? It was like watching snails cross uh, cross a table. They are substantially slower, very much less aggressive than the men. They can't kick for shit. So, I mean, that's the whole thing. If you really like a sport, you'll watch it. If I really liked basketball, I'd watch the WNBA. Here's a newsflash. I don't like the NBA, so I don't wa- I'm not going to watch basketball at all. The other thing is they're woke. They support BLM and LGBTQ RSTUV crap. Any white men who would show up, and trust me, There are a lot of white men in Portland. Might be demonized because they're straight and white. Why would you put yourself in that scenario? So I hope it works out for him. I really do. Um, I just, I think really honestly, people need to get away from the wokeness because wokeness kills. And you know what? Being woke ain't a good marketing tool as Disney is finding out right now. So Contenji Brown-Jackson, is it Brown-Jackson or Jackson-Brown? Yeah, it's Brown-Jackson, became a Supreme Court justice. Now, she should have never been a Supreme Court justice. And those three idiots that voted, three idiot Republicans that voted for her should be ashamed of themselves and they should be primaried. But she's a a Supreme Court justice. Now, I'm not going to flip out much about this, simply because it's still a 6-3 advantage. Breyer, who retired, was a, le- a leftist judge. But the the media is really upset with the way that they talked to Contenji Brown. Jackson. 
The Washington Post released an article called KGB's Confirmation Fight Shows How the Supreme Court Must Change. And it's by the editorial board. So this was actually edited by multiple people. The funny thing is, this is a twisted article. It's a really twisted article. We've got plenty of examples. They seem to think that conflicts during during the confirmation processes in front of the Senate has always been clean until Contengi Brown-Jackson came into play. So let's read this article. It's very short. Quote, it's hard to find the words to express the depth of my gratitude, end quote, soon to be Supreme Court Justice Katenji Brown-Jackson declared at the White House on Friday. And of course, don't forget, they, they skipped this part, but then she claimed how it's freedom for Africans or something, slaves or whatever. This is the whole thing. She's an activist judge. This is why she shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. She has no business being on the Supreme Court. And to be honest with you, I saw the, I saw the confirmation hearings. She doesn't seem very bright. Continuing. Her gracious acknowledgement of her assent to the nation's highest court follows what, in today's light, might be called a normal Senate confirmation. And that's pre- precisely the problem. Her 53-47 to 47 confirmation vote was an unjustifiable partisan slap at the nation's first black, black female Supreme Court justice and a sign of how off-the-rails judicial confirmations have become. Wait a minute. They're just figuring that out? Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed by four votes. Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed by four votes. Neil Gorsuch was confirmed by four votes. They've, they've all been close. And of course, we won't forget, the others got didn't even make it. Continuing. Unlike other recent confirmations, there were no questions regarding her character or temperament or no procedural shenanery in the Senate. Judge Jackson's ascension to the high court, that's the second time they said ascension, to the high court should have been free of controversy. Some Republicans concocted absurd smears, oh wow, we'll get to this, and about her record to justify opposing her. Others acknowledged her qualifications but complained that she probably would not rule as they preferred, which is not the standard that was traditionally been applied to nominees. Okay, first off, they questioned her, they did not question her qualifications. They questioned her rulings. They actually read her words back to her. They questioned her activism through her years. And they question her jurist philosophy, which, by the way, you should question the jurist philosophy. But here's the problem. Republicans want a textualist, someone who reads the Constitution and applies the law based off the Constitution. Leftists don't want that. They want somebody who's going to change the law. And that's what Jackson Brown is going to do. Now, I know that they sat there the regarding her character or temperament, all the, the character and temperament from Gorsuch, from Clarence Thomas, from Brett Kavanaugh, from um, Amy Coney Barrett, they, there were no problems with those four. They're going to turn out to be very good jurists. 
The left made that crap up. There was no controversy until the left created the controversy. Clarence Thomas's uh, act, uh, uh, Anita Hill was full of crap. And you could tell when they questioned her on it. Uh, Blazy Ford was full of crap against Kavanaugh. And she was, she was argued against by her friends, said, I, she wasn't at the party, what are you talking about? And then the left created... Uh, these the scenario that that Brett Kavanaugh was a gang rapist ring leader. As far as I'm concerned, they have every right to sit there and question her. And the Republicans didn't concoct anything. They read her words to her. And then, by the way, this dumb broad couldn't even define what a woman was. As far as I'm concerned, that was enough that nobody should have voted for her. And it also because it shows her activism. That's why. Okay, continuing with the story. This reflexive tendency by the opposition to de deny a president a chance to fill a judicial vacancies has become the new norm and is unlikely to end absent intentional reforms. Easiest would be adjusting confirmation proceedings, such as the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. Rather than force nominees to endure marathon grilling sessions, senators could consider letting uh, them answer questions over more days instead of allowing grandstanding lawmakers to attack nominees without limit or consequence perhaps they should be confined to asking only questions that are relevant to the proceedings okay um reflexive tendency by the opposition to deny a president a chance to fill judicial vac vacancies has become the new norm that's crap it's always been that way i mean it's been that way since the 50s, that's nothing new. And they're talking about Merrick Garland. And the other thing they're talking about is um, when they say changing these marathon sessions to spread it out over a few days, uh, no, they shouldn't do that. And the reason they shouldn't do that, A, they should be busy enough that they, they don't have time to sit back and waste five, six days trying to confirm somebody. Two, this is a hearing. This is a confirmation hearing. It is about her temperament. And they want to see what she's, how she's going to handle the pressure, how she's going to handle the stress of having to go through these marathon sessions. And then, you know, and then the, the grandstanding, are you kidding me? Cory Booker? Spartacus? They're going to sit back and say Republicans were grandstanding? I saw the hearings again. I didn't see any grandstanding. I saw them asking her questions. And she wouldn't answer them half the time. When she was asked about letting uh, people with child porn out of prison early, she never gave a good answer. When she was asked about why she, she let criminals out early, she never gave a good answer. She was asked about a pedophile, and she never gave a good answer, except to protect the pedophile, the chi child pornographers, and the criminals. For me, that's, that's a killer. And just because it's true doesn't mean you're attacking. It doesn't mean that at all. Okay, continuing. For a time, a group of centrist senators made a pact to vote as a block for all reasonable nominees, regardless of of which president nominated them. Those few senators still 
interest is still interested in repairing the tattered confirmation process should resurrect this strategy. Um, here's a newsflash. Who, those centrists were all Republican. Who broke that centrist block? Democrats did. And it started, and it, this isn't recent either. This started with Bork back in the 80s. And then it continued on to Clarence Thomas. Then it continued on to it continued on to uh, Neil Gorsuch. And it continue anytime there is a it, same with um, uh, the Hispanic judge. This is not something that just happened. It's been doing this. I mean, they accused a Catholic of belonging to a cult, and they called her in Coney Barrett. They called her a racist because. She adopted two Haitian kids who were orphaned? Okay. Now, here's something I do, I, I, I do agree with. Uh, a more enduring and effective change would be imposing term limits to, on federal judges of perhaps 18 years and spreading out vacancies so that each president gets to make a predictable number of appointments. This would dramatically reduce the stakes of any single Supreme Court pick and limit the element chance of when vacancies arise that could tip the court's ideological balance. Moreover, term limits would cut the pressure presidents feel to pick young ideologues for court or select only judges with similar pedigrees. More people of more varying experience could then serve. I, I, I agree with this. I agree with this whole thing. I, I, I think, and by the way, you know who else agreed with it? The founding fathers. They discussed this. I'll get into that in a second. Let's just finish. Let's just finish the, I, I told you it was a very short article. It's the last paragraph. This idea is neither new nor, comp, nor without complications. Some scholars argue it would require a constitutional amendment, which is absolutely correct. Safeguards would have to be crafted to prevent judges from timing their retirements to give presidents their preferred party's picks. And rules might have to be drafted to prevent former judges from taking big paydays at private companies after leaving the court. But these challenges do not eliminate the reform's appeal. What is clear is this. Things cannot continue on their current corrosive trajectory. By the way, again, Democrats created that current corrosive trajectory, not Republicans. So I, I don't want to hear it from this gal. But everything she said, in, or they said at the end of this, was, was actually pretty true. The Founding Fathers did discuss this. They, in the federal, Federalist Papers, they talked about putting term limits on the president. They talked about term limits on the Congress and term limits on judges. And they decided against it. The reason they decided against it was because judges and politicians weren't paid. When you became a politician, it, you were literally a civil servant. You were a servant. You were serving the citizenry. You did not get paid. You got paid expenses, maybe a, a stipend or two. George Washington left after eight years because he needed to go back and attend to his business. Thomas Jefferson was the same thing. Thomas Jefferson actually was losing money while he was president. And he got out. So there was no need for there was no need for politicians to have term limits on them. And by the way, now they all need term limits because Congress and the president have given each other, given themselves huge salaries, which I think is just wrong. I would like to see an amendment say you can get you can get uh, thirty thousand dollars a year, and that's it. Because the reality, they're doing nothing now, and they're getting paid one hundred and seventy-four to two hundred thousand dollars a year. 
So I would like them to see that. And I understand why the why the founding fathers didn't want the courts. They never wanted the courts to be affected by politics. So they just made them lifelong. They made them lifelong justices. And no matter how they voted, they couldn't be voted out. So that's it. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, this this contengy Brown Jackson is going to be a disaster. She's going to make Sotomayor look like a moderate. So, but, and I, I just needed you to read that. Okay, visit my website and uh, take care. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene. You've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. And hopefully we'll find out what happened in New York. <laughs>